Well, it's Christmas season, it's Advent, and uh, how many of you have ever been surprised by anything? I'm a hard person to surprise. My wife has managed to pull off a couple of surprises for me along the way, and, and it's delightful when it happens. Uh, I was actually surprised uh, a few days ago. I called a company that I had just cleaned and inspected my fireplace and chimney, and they put a new stainless steel cap on the top of the chimney. And I told them uh, right after that, the next week, I didn't know that this was going to happen, but those of you who are married understand that sometimes your spouse's wishes supersede your plans. And we are now the owners of a fireplace insert that will not come until December, but also one that requires a new cap on the chimney. <laughs> so I called this guy up and I said, is there any chance I could get a refund on this? And surprisingly, he agreed to give me a refund. That was great news. Surprise by definition it is an unexpected or astonishing event, or a fact, or a thing. Now, most of us like being surprised um, when the surprise is something we like or something we appreciate. Uh, when it's not so pleasant, we're not particularly liking it. Well, in Advent season, for example, many people, especially children, are beginning to look ahead to Christmas and to opening gifts. And some of them will be a surprise to them. Sometimes kids don't get what they ask for. Imagine that. So I, I've titled today's message, Surprised by Love. Um, this, is, this is something I think that uh, goes along with this season, but not something that we think about too much. How many of you have watched a Hallmark Christmas movie? Yeah. Are there... Yeah. Are there any surprises in there? Never. <laughs> you know, you know in the first 10 minutes what's going to ultimately happen. But but you but you keep watching. You keep watching as if to think, well, maybe there'll be a surprise in here. Maybe there'll be a twist. Well, when you surprise someone, my guess is that you, you have their best interest in mind. Now, Scripture says we know how to give good gifts to our children and by extension to each other. As a giver of surprises, we anticipate the delight of the ones that we're surprising. We imagine their faces and their expressions as they receive that which we have secretly planned for them. I love surprising people. I recently arranged a meeting between some old friends, um, and no one but me knew that this was going to happen. My wife did not know, nor did the other two parties. And all these two, like, haven't seen each other for a long time, folks, who are friends of ours, we all ended up meeting at the same time. It was, it was awesome. I anticipated that, and I was not disappointed. Everybody was delighted about the reunion. Now, talking about surprises perhaps has caused you to think about them, and maybe you're planning to surprise someone else. 
We all know it's impossible, though, to surprise God. He cannot be surprised. He knows everything that's going to happen. But what happens when we're surprised by him? What happens when he reaches into our life in some way and surprises us? Well, that's the rest of today's topic, what to do when God shows up in our life. We know that God is good, so him showing up in our life should be good. So let's look for a minute at that scripture passage that I mentioned earlier. It shows up twice in the Gospels. The first time it shows up in Matthew chapter 7. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And then when it shows up again in the Gospel of Luke, it's in chapter 11, and there's a little bit more information in this quoting of Jesus' words. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, both passages begin with a truth that's not always easy for us to remember, and that is we are evil. Now, this doesn't mean that we rob banks or fix elections. It means that we, like all people, have sinned and fall short of, the, of God's intended behavior for us. So both passages remind us that God, who is all good, desires to give good things for us. How much more? And to do so, in Ephesians it says to us, beyond what we can ask or imagine. Now Luke gives us this one more important detail. The Holy Spirit. As we understand the Holy Spirit to be a part of the triune God, we also understand that it was God's plan to give us the Holy Spirit to empower us to live beyond the circumstances of the world by demonstrating God's power at work in and through us. And this happens. This happens. I will tell you that we had an unpleasant surprise when our oldest son was just 13 years old. He had been 13 for a couple of weeks, and he was run over by a school bus. And, I mean, he survived, and that's all wonderful and everything. But the, the thing that spoke to me loudest about that was is that through everything that God orchestrated in that event, which was people that happened to be working that day and all sorts of things, there was a calmness that, that Sharon and I experienced that we should probably not have experienced. And it was that calmness that one of the nurses who used to attend here when she and her husband lived in this area, Sherry Missouri, had called me in Jameson's room in ICU that afternoon, and she said, you can't imagine what this accident and what this case has done to this hospital because nobody understands why you guys are not freaking out. That's God. That wasn't a decision we made. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. That's that peace that passes understanding. 
So, so God giving us the Holy Spirit is something that, that is, is necessary for us to get through those things, to live above those circumstances. Because let me tell you something. When you hear the word that your kid has slipped under a bus, that is not the surprise that you want. <laughs> That's not the surprise that you want. So today we're going to look at two surprises that God himself arranged and consider why he would do that. Now these surprises are a picture of God's awesome power. And the way that they occur demonstrates his love for us. Both surprises are recorded in the first chapter of Luke's gospel. So let's pick that up and we're going to start reading at verse number 5. I'll give you a second to dial it up if, if you want to look it up in your Bible. But the words are going to be up here on the slide if you don't. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Now, in this introduction, we meet a Jewish couple, Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. Now, we know that they're righteous, and we know that they're childless and very old, and both are from the line of Aaron, who was the first high priest. And it was only his descendants that could carry out certain duties of the priesthood. We do not know how old Zechariah was. We do know, though, that each division of priests was assigned to serve for a limited time and that from each division, one priest would be chosen for each of the duties and the choosing was done by lot. Zechariah was not chosen for the cleaning of the ashes from the altar, nor was he chosen for any of the duties of the actual sacrifice that day. Now, these included the slaughter of the lamb, the splashing of the blood on the altar, the flaying of the lamb, the cleaning of the incense altar, the cleaning of the menorah, and the carrying of the limbs of the lamb to the top of the altar. The next duty was the offering of the incense. And this was such a coveted duty that a priest would have this opportunity only once in his lifetime. Only once. And on this day, that lot fell to Zechariah. Reading on. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as priest before God. He was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Now, so far on this day, everything was normal. Everything was normal as it had been for many, many, many years. Zechariah stood with the golden shovel and his censer in his hand, waiting for the priests who were chosen that day to clean the in incense altar and the lamps of the menorah to come out. A third priest entered the sanctuary with hot burning cinders from the outer altar and placed them on the incense altar. And when he came out, Zechariah handed him the dish of incense, removed the cover, and filled 
the shovel with the fine powder. He then passed through the gates into the empty sanctuary. Zechariah approached the altar and stood in silent reverence. He poured the incense onto the hot coals atop the altar and began to pray. He prostrated himself in prayer as the burning incense made a sweet-smelling smoke that filled the room with a heavy haze. And as he stood up from praying, Luke tells us what he saw. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. Now, Zechariah's reaction was typical of the reactions that we read in the Scripture when people are encountered by an angel. And the angel's response is also typical. The angel said to him, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord, their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, now, we can't be sure from this text that Zechariah prayed for a son during this priestly service. It doesn't say that. He may have. But at some point, we can be sure that God heard Zechariah's prayer for a son whenever it was prayed. And by his grace, he chose to answer in the affirmative and to answer this day. That was a surprise. I mean, the angel showing up is a surprise, but that news has got to be unbelievable. Like Abraham, who had been promised a son in his old age, Zechariah and his wife would become parents in their old age. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. And the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Now, meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple 
for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. Now, when he came out of the temple, Zechariah could not speak. His gestures and expressions confirmed for the other people around him that, that he had seen a vision. And why, why was he struck like this? I always thought that he couldn't, it was just that he couldn't speak. But later on in the text, at the end of the chapter, we find out that when John is born, Zechariah's wife, Elizabeth, tells the people he's going to be called John. Now, there weren't any Johns in Zechariah's family. So they said, wait a minute, you can't be naming him John. There's nobody in your family named John. And then they made signs to ask Zechariah what the child should be named. So that tells me not only could Zechariah not speak, he couldn't hear. Because if he could hear, they would have just said to him, hey, Zach, what's this kid going to be called? But they didn't. They had to make signs to tell him that. So here's Zechariah. He can't speak and he can't hear. At least he can't hear you and I. He can't hear the people around him. I'd say that was a pretty interesting and maybe in some people's minds harsh reaction. But why did that happen? Well, let's back up a little bit in the passage and look at this phrase. You did not believe my words. Now, this gives us the first point of our lesson this morning, what we should do when God shows up in our life. When God chooses to surprise us, we have a choice. We have a choice. And our choice is either to believe or not to believe. And in Zechariah's case, he didn't believe. Now, when the time of his service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant, and for five months she remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Now the angel's word had indeed come true. Elizabeth, an old woman, beyond childbearing age, was on her way to becoming a mother. And it would be her child who is destined to announce the arrival of Israel's Messiah. As the pregnancy became more obvious, the belief of Zechariah and Elizabeth was strengthened. Then comes the next surprise, another unexpected pregnancy. Only this time, the age of the mother and the circumstances would be quite different. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. As the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him 
Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now Mary was a pretty young girl. Scholars estimate she could have been as young as 13. She was a virgin. And she was visited and surprised by the same angel that, that spoke to Zechariah. Her encounter with Gabriel began in a similar manner. She was startled. And the angel told her, as he told Zechariah, not to be afraid. And like Zechariah, Mary responded to the news the angel gave her with a question. How will this be, since I'm a virgin? Now, it sounds to me like Mary is questioning Gabriel. Didn't Zechariah do that? So, shouldn't Mary have been struck speechless? I mean, it's all fair, right? What's good for the gander is or what's good for the gander is good for the goose. Which one's the female? The goose is the female, right? So what's good for the gander, which is Zechariah, is good for the goose, which is Mary. But she was not struck speechless. She was not made deaf. Why? She asked a question that seemed seemed logical under the circumstances. But there was a major difference in those replies that we do not see from what was said. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit, ah, the Holy Spirit, will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. In that last phrase, no word from God will ever fail. In that last phrase, Mary solidified her resolve. She knew what the angel had said was true, and because no, no word from God will ever fail. And she responds, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Now, unlike Zechariah, Mary's response was rooted in faith. We know that Zechariah's was not. His was rooted in logic. You're going to have a kid, Zechariah. Oh, how can that be? I'm an old guy. My wife's old. That's logic. That wasn't belief. That wasn't faith. Her heart willingly received the promise of the angel without further questioning. And that brings us to our second part of the lesson today. When God surprises you and you choose to believe in that surprise, which is what Mary did, you can choose to accept and embrace what he said. Now, the angel explained that the Holy Spirit would come over her. She would be overshadowed by the power of the Most High. She believed that. She accepted it and embraced it, and that put her into action. 
Mary decided to go see her relative, Elizabeth, whom the angel said would become a mother in her old age. Little did she know how the children in those wombs would react when that visit took place. Now, Mary lived where? Do you remember what the scripture says? Nazareth, okay? And Elizabeth, we don't know for sure where she lived, but it's likely that she lived somewhere close to Jerusalem because that's where Zechariah was in service at the temple. That's where the temple was. You know, it's about 85 miles from Nazareth to Jerusalem. You know, I'm sure she did not take an Uber. Right? So the commitment to go see Elizabeth was a commitment to travel and walk or ride a long way. Here's what happened when she got there. Staying in the first chapter of Luke. Now we're at verse 39. At the time, Mary got ready and hurried to town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby in her womb, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Hmm, there's that Holy Spirit again. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Now, to whom was Elizabeth referring when she said, blessed are you among women, and blessed, or when she said, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises. Who do you think she was referring to? Was she talking about herself? I mean, she received a promise, or was she talking about Mary? She referred to the child that Mary carried as her Lord. How how did she know that? And, And she knew that the child in her womb would also be favored and would turn the hearts of his people back to God and would go before the Lord to prepare a way for him And she understood that that movement in her womb was a movement of joy from an unborn child. She recognized and affirmed also that Mary had believed as she herself had done. The surprise of love that had come within the angel announcements to each of them, well, to Zechariah and to Mary, fueled their confidence in the love of the Father. When God surprises you, believing, accepting, and embracing His promise draws you to worshiping. 
And that is exactly what Mary did. She broke into song right there in the presence of Elizabeth, a song that we've come to call the Magnificat. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. He has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. So Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. You see, Mary's intention to visit Elizabeth was not rooted in mere curiosity. She didn't go there to make sure that what the angel said was true. <laughs> was Elizabeth really pregnant? But she went there in a desire to support and care for her relative. She stayed for three months. Now, Elizabeth was six months pregnant when she got there. Three months more means that she probably was there when John was born. Imagine those months. This old woman carrying the child of a promise and recognizing by the power of the Holy Spirit that her young relative was carrying the child of a promise as well. I'm sure that those conversations were rich with worship and reverence to God and thankfulness. Thankfulness. Chances are pretty good that none of us are going to experience what these two very different women experienced. But we can be sure that the motivation of this action of God was born out of love for His chosen people, Israel, and for those of us who would respond to his call. Throughout history, God has done exactly what he said he would do. How much more does his desire to surprise us by pouring his love into our lives and through us into the lives of others? What surprises might God have in store for you? Are, are you looking for God to meet you in the routine of your everyday life? Or is that something that's just reserved for bedtime or Sunday morning when we're here? Is there a sense of anticipation in this Advent season? There should be. And it should stir us to a place of expectancy. Perhaps, just perhaps, God would surprise even us 
if only we'll have the eyes and ears and sense to recognize it. We may not get an angel to visit us. But if we're listening, maybe we'll hear the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. God speaks to us. How might God be, be preparing you and I to be his agent in this Christmas season? Will we allow our hearts to believe? Will we allow our minds to accept what he says? Our actions to embrace and our will to worship him in such a way that we can be the agency of surprise in the life of someone else. Let me invite you right now to just take a quiet moment as we come to a close here. Just direct your thoughts to the Father. Just listen. Perhaps he's waiting to surprise you. Is he saying anything to you about how you could interact with someone else in a way that would surprise them with love? Who's coming to your mind? How can you reach out to them? What, what small act of kindness might lift someone's spirits? Perhaps you need to take the first step toward reconciling a relationship that's been bothering you. Maybe a phone call or an invitation to meet over coffee. Maybe taking a plate of cookies to someone who doesn't get loved on very often and, and visiting with them for just five minutes would open their eyes to recognize the kindness that they desire to see and feel. love surprises and like Stacy said they're actions they're not wishful thinking they're not just intentions they're picking up the phone and calling someone they're stopping at a house and knocking on a door they're reaching out in your own home or at your own workplace some small expression of kindness some small statement of, of, of recognition that this person is there and that they're important let's agree this morning especially in this season and in this time to set our hearts to believe what God has said to set our minds to accept it
to set our actions to embrace it, to let those truths move us off our couch, out of our routine, and to let our wills bring us to worship Him. Let's pray. Oh, wonderful Counselor, oh, mighty God, oh, everlasting Father, oh, Prince of Peace, we come to you this day with hearts that desire to be opened by your Holy Spirit. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you are saying to us this season. Fill our hearts with anticipation of being used by you to surprise others in a way that will demonstrate your love to them through us. Increase our faith so like Mary and Elizabeth, we can believe. Settle the matter in our hearts so that we can accept and embrace your direction. And stir us in our spirits so that we can join the angels themselves as we worship. We worship you this morning in response to who you are, to what you have done, and what you will do. For as it's written in your word, no word from God will ever fail.